0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, September 22, 2016. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 102, the first full paragraph. Today's readers are Esther F. on the 12 Steps, Charlene G. on the 12 traditions, and reading the text are Esther C., Janice B., and Janice M. Uh, The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, September 21st, is 9095. OA Preamble. Readers Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous.
1: Good morning, all. It's Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from just outside Cleveland. Uh, The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, stop through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for doing this. <coughs> and I pass.
0: Thank you, Esther F. And I will now ask Charlene G to read the twelve traditions of OA.
2: Good morning, Kathy. This is Charlene G from Idaho. Here are the twelve traditions. One, our commonwealth <clears throat> excuse me, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, and I pass.
0: Thank you very much, Charlene G. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book on page 102, the first full paragraph that begins, why sit with a long face? and Esther C. will read two focusing comments on the second paragraph. Please go ahead, Esther.
3: Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, my friends. My name is Esther C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Canada, although currently in New Jersey. Why sit with a long face in places where there is drinking, sighing about the good old days? If it's a happy occasion, try to increase the pleasure of those there. If is this is occasion, go and attend to your business enthusiastically. If you are with a person who wants to eat in a bar, by all means, go along. Let your friends know that they are not to change their habits on your account. At a proper time and place, explain to all your friends why alcohol disagrees with you. If you do this thoroughly, few people will ask you to drink. While you were drinking, you were withdrawing from life little by little. Now you are getting back into the social life of this world. Don't start to withdraw again just because your friends drink liquor. Your job now is to be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. So never hesitate to go anywhere if you could be helpful. You should not hesitate to visit the most sordid spot on earth on such an errand. Keep on the firing line of life with these motives, and God will keep you unharmed. So again, my name is Esther C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and I've been hearing a lot of meaningful shares on you know these previous paragraphs the last couple of days and my experience has really been the same as the others in that I can attend social functions et cetera, and the food no longer distracts me but I found that I I continue to grow even more than that thank God it doesn't it doesn't end with you know not being talked to or called by the food And and what I mean is that I'm less and less distracted by me, you know, by myself. And this paragraph reminds me, the second one that we just read, the very first sentence even says so, that I am here in this universe. And right now, specifically, wherever I am, in whatever social gathering, I'm here to be of maximum helpfulness to others. So if I remain spiritually fit and and God-centered, then... And I could be thinking of others instead of worrying about whether I'll be noticed or not or whether the conversation will be exactly to my liking and interesting or, you know, whether people will recognize me, whether I look good or not. Instead of being distracted by me, I could position myself to help others. And this applies not only to social functions, this could apply to me when I'm attending a house of worship. This could even apply when I attend OA conventions and retreat, right? Even at a place like an OA retreat where the whole point of the gathering is to carry the message, my self-centered thinking could lead me to focus on who I'm going to talk to and mm-hmm. who I'm going to sit with and who's going to remember me. And am I making a good impression? And do I like my room? And are the accommodations to my liking? I mean, and on and on. That's that's where my head could go um, unless I remain spiritually fit. Um So for those of you on the line that are starting to worry that all this helpfulness to others translated to a very boring life, I'll again share my experience. And that is that even, you know, that when I work to be a lantern and to carry my higher power's light, that life not only has turned food into a non-issue for me in these places, but it's allowed me to help others carry the message and it's given me a rich life that is deeply satisfying And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Esther C. Who would like to uh, share on the second paragraph that Esther read?
4: Shannon R. R. It's Larry.
0: Um, I think I heard Nessa R. and Larry K. And who else? I'm sorry. Uh, Shannon F. Shannon F. There was someone before you, Sharon, who I couldn't get. Nessa O.? Lassa o. Anyone else? Tina S. Tina S. Mm-hmm. Okay, why don't we start with those? So I have Nessa R. Larry.
5: B-B-B. I'm
0: sorry, who
6: is that? Phoebe B.
0: Yes. Okay, I got you, Phoebe. Okay, so we have Nessa R., Larry K, Shannon F, Vasa O, Tina F, and Phoebe B. Please go ahead, Nessa.
7: Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. It's Nessa R, recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, you know, explain, explain why we eat the way we eat. Um, that's one of the reasons that, um, or one of the excuses, rather, that kept me from doing what I needed to do to recover. And it's an excuse that I hear often amongst poncees and other people that I, that I talk to. You know, we don't want to be different. We don't want to arouse um, questions. We don't want to be singled out, um, you know, by, by eating differently or not eating at all, at a function, at a meeting, you know, at a gathering of friends, at a restaurant, et cetera. But you know, I find nowadays um, this uh, nowadays uh, the, the culture is such that we are so sensitive to all sorts of allergies. You know, there's peanut allergies and gluten allergies and all these things. You know, it's it's you can't avoid it, and it makes it so much easier for us to explain. You know, why I'm eating the way I'm eating. All I have to say is, you know, I just I just have food sensitivities or I have lots of food allergies and it stops right there like I have not met one person to whom I said I have uh, food allergies who has pushed me to eat differently they said oh you know what don't worry about your allergies, just go to the dessert table never ever ever have I met somebody who told me that and you know it's such, I would say it's such a boon to recovering compulsive overeaters and to recovered compulsive overeaters you know, because we no longer have to feel that we are the odd man out, or we are a freak of nature, or or anything like that. Because so many people have allergies, we don't have to disclose. We don't have to disclose what the nature of the allergy is. I mean, and there be some people who will ask, "What are your allergies?" You know, "What are you allergic to?" And we can just say, "You know, I'm allergic to sugar and flour." And people will assume, you know, gluten, and and it'll be, be the end of that. I've never ever been pressed. Um, beyond that point Um, so there's no excuse anymore to really not take care of ourselves take care of our abstinence take care of our recovery you know as i've shared on this line many times before i very rarely i can even think in the past year or two whenever i have eaten at a function i i bring my food i eat it in my car or i eat it in the hallway or i eat before i even leave my house and then at the function, I can just concentrate on what's going on. You know, if it's a meeting, I can concentrate on what people are saying. If it's a wedding, um, you know, or a, or a celebration, that type of a party occasion, I can just celebrate and dance with everybody else and not worry about when the dinner's gonna be served. Um, if I'm going to a restaurant, I can just talk to my friends or my family and not, you know, be concerned that the food's taking too long or am I gonna get enough anything like that and it's just wonderful and um it's just such a much better way to live and there's no excuses anymore and with that i pass.
0: thank you nessa r and a gentle reminder to everyone that our comments are to be focused on the second paragraph that we read larry k please go ahead
4: hi kathy good morning thanks for your service larry k recovered compulsive breeder so, you know, it says uh, your job now is to be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. You know, being a service to others is is critical for me to the, you know, the continued growth and maintenance of my spiritual condition. It's something that I have to do every day. Um and, you know, and so it's telling me here, the big book is giving me instructions and it's saying, look, you know, you 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 can go anywhere you recover today. If you can be helpful, and and you don't have to hesitate to visit, you know, different places, sorted, morally degraded spots on Earth. If if I'm on such an errand, now I mean I I I don't you know walk in next, necessarily to a crack den or a you know, a, you know, some sort of abandoned home, though I probably could, but I you know, but I, I go other places, you know, um, and. and you know, even, even going to an AA meeting <laughs> for me, um, you know, where, look, I, while I don't judge anyone, you know, certainly love and tolerance is my code. There's there's people that put alcohol down and they're, you know, they're morbidly obese and they're dying, you know, from food clearly, you know, and, and you see as you get to know these, these people, you see as they share, you know, some of the the problems, health problems and other things, you know, I can go any of the, to these places while the, the donuts and the cookies and the you know smoking the cigarettes and all the things you know these are not things that i engage in but i can be there and can i be of service to others you know it's essential for me to do that you know i can go to family events where they're you know they're binging their brains out and i can be helpful now i'm not there since love and tolerance is my code you know can i have true tolerance you know sort of a non-judgmental acceptance of all perspectives You know, since since the God job, you know, that job uh, I found out somewhere along the way that's taken, you know, that job has been filled. (laughs) So my job is love and tolerance of others. You know, how can I be helpful to them? So rather than presuming that I know what's best for others, because I I didn't know what the heck was best for me. uh, Hey, God, how can I be of maximum service to you and my fellows today? You know, release me from my fears, which always lead to trying to control people and situations. You know, so for me, one of the areas that I ask my higher power for help is in discerning the balance in standing for truth and the ability to live and let live, tolerance for other other viewpoints. But I can be there and I could be helpful and it's a beautiful way to live. You know, thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank God for these steps in this program, it saved my life. With that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Larry Kay. Uh, Shannon F.,
8: please go ahead. Hi, guys. Shannon F. here. A um, couple lines stand out. The first one is uh, why sit with a long face in places where there is drinking, sighing about the good old days? In eating situations with others and socializing, I used to have the, like, sad puppy dog eyes. um, And people would energetically pick up on that. So even if I wasn't saying anything like, oh, I really wish I could have all of the spaghetti or pizza or whatever it is with you, but I'm stuck here eating a salad. Of course, people are going to pick up on that sadness. Uh, And they're going to think, oh, my gosh, Shannon is sad. I need to get her some of this food to feel better. So they would try and push it on me because they wanted me to feel a sense of what love they were feeling. So it was nothing to do with them. It was all about me setting that stage of having that, that feeling of sadness or that sighing about the good old days. And I would also, like, look at their food, like, you know, almost like, carelessly enjoy it through my eyesight. So of course, what does that lead to? Um, Grandma or mom pushing their home cooked food on me. So and if I was already feeling weak about temptation, well, that would just put fire right on top of that. Um, So the next line that comes out was let your friends know they are not to change their habits on your account. Uh, When I started Early on in um, getting abstinent, of course, I became the health educator, um, health Nazi. So if I'm eating a salad, everyone else should be eating a salad, or I should be telling them all these tips about how they should eat this healthy food. And really, the underlying thing of all that was control, wanting to try and feel control um, by changing others so I could feel good about myself. Now... What I do is instead of looking at their food or feeling sad, I look these people in the eyes and I really try and look into their soul. And now I've learned from my higher power through the resources when I'm trying to socialize and see how to be of service, ask questions and ask questions other than the food. Ask questions um, about like, so what is going on in their life? What are you passionate about in your business? Um, What makes you love being a mom? Um, These are questions that really get towards um, what I think is really the essence of life. Um, But it gave me something to fuel the spirituality of social connection versus being stuck in the consciousness of food while we're out to eat. Um, And, um, you know, I found that God wanted me to just – celebrate and give them love for what they're eating and give love to myself for what I'm eating. So, you know, great mom. I'm so glad you can have this mocha chocolate, chocolate latte, smothered in graham cracker, whatever it is. Like that's awesome, mom. I'm glad your pancreas can handle it. Mine can't and my brain can't either. And I'm grateful that my brain can't because that gives me no excuse to put it in my body anyways. Um, And then after I would say, no, do your thing, people, eat what you like, I could celebrate what God gave me as abstinent food. And at first, my addict was like, I don't want to eat this abstinent crap. Like, I don't want to eat salad compared to this. But when I gave energy and focus to giving praise to what God has given me for the structure of my recovery on the food and also the mentality of it, um, my my. My ease came in these situations, and I didn't feel as discomfortable. So I really had to just think of, you know, what, where, my ener- where my focus goes, um, my energy goes. So if I focus on giving praise for what I do have in these moments, um, then that grows. So I continue to do this, and I'm so grateful that this program has taught me those things and how to learn from those troubling situations. So with that, I pass. Thank you.
6: Thank
0: you, Shannon F. And Vasa O., please go ahead.
9: Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. And I am a grateful Recover over here, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And I'm grateful that I've learned so many things coming to the meetings, the big book. Just so grateful. At the beginning of my abstinence, I avoided places and to go. I, I avoided my own kitchen. I, you know, I experimented. I was like a chef, you know. I was always baking and cooking and experimenting. I put half of this, half of that. It's like the alcoholic, you know, putting half milk or or half whatever, you know, alcohol. Well, I did that with the sugars, you know, and uh, the trigger was there. I didn't understand about the allergy, And I'm just so grateful that I learned about the physical allergy and the mental obsession. But let your friends know they are not to change their habits on your account. At a proper time and place, explain to all your friends why alcohol disagrees with you. And everybody knows pretty much. You know, at first I was ashamed. I didn't want to talk about my addiction. But, you know, gradually by little, you know, I was being honest and started telling people, a lot of people don't understand how can sugar biology well you know I couldn't understand and I loved it so much you know but once I learned it was like a poison like a cocaine if I didn't put it down it was going to kill me so I took it very seriously and I grieved I grieved putting those things down you know the my best friend food you know I'm not going to have this for the rest of my life how am I going to do this well, my sponsors said we do this only one day at a time, and that one day at a time has taken me to a years and decades being in this program. Just so grateful. I still I went to a function the other day, and you know I they you know I always bring my stuff. I put it in a car and I said, okay, if they have what I want or I could have, I I'll eat. If they don't, I'm just gonna go in my car and eat my my lunch. And my husband is so used to this now, you know, and my kids, too. My son was a little concerned. He said, well, Mom, what about if they don't have there what you need? I said, don't you worry about me. I take care of myself, you know. The only thing they had over there was salad. And I ate my salad, and I went in the car. I ate my food. I came back. I socialized with people. I was happy and joyful to have an absolute meal but today I can go to be a maximum maximum service to God and to others I need to be spiritually fit and I can go anywhere I can go any place I've gone on cruises I've gone Europe a couple of times on vacationing and I've been abstinent and I can be maximum of service to others if people want to know what I'm doing I'm very, I'll wrap it up. Very happy to tell them what, what I'm doing. Thank you for letting me share, and thank you for everybody sharing. And I pass.
0: Thank you, Vasa O. Just a general reminder for those who may have joined us late, we are sharing on the paragraph that begins, your job now is to be at the place on page 102 near the bottom of the page. And Tina S., please go ahead.
10: Thanks, Kathy, for your service. Tuna S. compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Great paragraph. Um, you know, I'm real grateful today that you know this paragraph gives me specific instruction. It tells me exactly what my job is now. You know, because I can come up with all kind of jobs and what I'm supposed to do for who, whomever. And um, so it tells me your job now is to be be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. You know, and, and that's a good news for me today because that was never something I ever wanted to do. I was all worried about what, how you could help me and my selfish and self-centeredness. And, and the transformation came about where I am more likely to think about you today. Not all likely. And I mean, I'm just being honest here. But I'm more likely to think about, you know, what I can do for you today. And that's only through the process of prayer and meditation in the morning. You know, every morning, you know, I ask God to show me what I could do for the man who is still sick today. You know, so if I'm really truly wanting to be of maximum service and do God's will today, then those opportunities are presented you know he, he definitely presents them on a daily basis and, and if I'm looking you know I'm going to see it where I can be of service you know and um, you know and I practice that wherever I go you know wherever I go and it, I love it, it says keep on the firing line of life and I just live in life on life's terms today whatever comes at me you know whatever comes at me and I know that this is a wee program so I'm not alone you know, and today I have that opportunity to connect with a power greater than myself. Whereas prior to, you know, I thought, yeah, you know, Tina knows exactly what she's doing and how she wants to do it and, and it didn't work for me. You know, I remember sponsors saying, how's that working for you, Tina? Well, it wasn't. was not. So today, you know, following the direction and, and you know, wanting more than not wanting to be of service and being less self-centered, um, I have an opportunity to reap the benefits. And so with that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Tina S. And Phoebe B., please go ahead.
10: Good morning. This
11: is Phoebe B., Compulsive Level Reader, calling from Vermont. This is such a great reminder for me this morning. I'm going to a wedding this weekend. Um, And I just wanted to share about some profound experiences that I had this summer. Lots of family, lots of family reunions, lots of time with grandchildren, children, stepchildren, Um, And in preparing to go to one of those, my sponsor said to me, I want you to open to page 102. And we read page 102 together. And in preparing for um, one particular event on the 4th of July when it was going to be children, stepchildren, grandchildren, and um, what it helped me look at was how could I be the best mom, stepmom, oma oh, that's what grandchildren call me, that I could possibly be um, sister-in-law, sister, whatever, whatever the relationship was. How could I be the best one that I could possibly be? And talking that through was so incredibly helpful to me um, because as in all families, there are interesting family dynamics um, and there are f- interesting family dynamics around the other grandma. Um, <clears throat> and. Doing that processing with my sponsor, reading this page, getting ready for that event, helped me to have an absolutely wonderful event, able to check in with each of my grandchildren about what was going on with them, playing with them, whatever it was, and I wrote in my journal that night for my gratitude, this page, that this page I was so incredibly grateful for because it helped me to be the best me that I could possibly be um, to be of service to other people um, by talking with them, finding out about their lives. And so this page, I'm so glad that this conversation happened today because um, I need to remember that for going to this wedding that I'm going to on Saturday. So thank you all for being there. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Phoebe B. And who else would like to share on the second paragraph we read?
12: Penny C and Jan Monica. Monica. Re- okay.
0: Monica <laughs> Leanne F. <laughs> All right, let's see. I heard Penny C, Monica T, um,
13: Janice M.
0: Janice M. Janice M. Kim
13: reva Reva P. C.
0: G. G. Reva P and Elaine B. Let's see. Let me read what I have. Penny C., Monica T., Janice M., Melissa C., Kim G., Reva P., and Elaine B. Did I miss anyone? Great. Okay, Penny C., please go ahead.
14: Good morning. Thank you, Kathy. And good morning, everybody on the line. My name is Penny C. I'm a recovered Compulsive overreader from the Boston area, and that first sentence of this paragraph. Your job now is to be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. And so, I just got a different thought maybe than than uh, what I you know have in the past when I read this. I'm thinking of my needing to be at the face to face meetings that I used to think, oh, I can't go there because, gee, they're not talking what I, they're not saying what I want to hear. We're not talking about the steps. They're not da 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 And so what was I doing no more than criticizing and judging and not being helpful, and I stopped going. And I listened to these telephone meetings, especially A Vision for You, which is just so wonderful, and I'm hearing so many, you know, wonderful spiritual and and uh, recovered people. So, so what I I realized when I heard somebody on the special editions challenged me, why aren't you going? What are you doing? Why aren't you going to help those people that are there? If you are recovered. Why are you not going and, and, and sharing that recovery? And so that's where I need to go, as well as all these other places, not just to the places where I can find a newcomer or somebody that, you know, I can um, encourage to come to away way that may not know about it, but to the rooms where, uh, I don't know about any of you, but, there is, I I meet so many people in the rooms of O A who have been suffering for years, and they're still suffering, and they're still coming, and they're not getting it. And the, why aren't they getting it? They're not getting it because people like me, with the recovery that I have been so generously given by my higher power, you know, stopped going and stopped being there to to encourage and to spread the hope that I, I know that I can, I can do, I, I've got it, you know, the gift. And, and so I guess I, I've made my point that I need to keep going to these meetings. And I, all I need to do is share my recovery and not criticize, not judge, but just be there for the people, you know, that, um, that is still suffering in in these rooms. And with that I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, uh Penny C. And um Monica T, please go ahead.
15: Good morning, Kathy. Good morning everyone. My name is Monica T and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Your job now is to be at a place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. You know, this is nothing new here, what they're, what they're saying to us here, being helpful. This underlying theme has been with us here from the very, very beginning of the big book of being a help to others, being a help to others. It gets us out of ourselves. It gets us out of dark places. So, and, um, you know, what role has God assigned me to be in this world? And I'm going to take you back to page 68, paragraph 2. We are now on on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. And when we do that and humbly rely on him, he enables us to match calamity with serenity. So, no. so ask yourself, you know, what role, what role have you been assigned to in this world? And we're being told here. And the book says, our, you know, our only aim, our only goal is to be helpful. But when we do that and we have that attitude, when Monica has this attitude, you know, what, who can I be a help to today? I, it gets me out of myself. You know, it gets, It helps me to get out of the dark places. You know, when I want to get on the hamster wheel or go down that little rabbit hole, it's, okay, Monica, love and tolerance is your code. What can you do to be a help for someone? It may be, be as simple as praying. But, it, you know, what I get, you know, God takes care of me. Keep on the firing line of life with these motives, and God will keep you unharmed. That's what the big book here is telling us. So with that, I will pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Monica T. Uh, Janice M., please go
2: ahead.
5: Well, good morning again, Kathy Kay. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, I usually begin by saying that all the time, grateful, grateful, grateful. Well, this is my job now. To pay back, that's, what, that's why I'm, I'm so grateful. I got a gift received from my higher power. So this, he's been, you know, we've, I've had a spiritual awakening. Those of us that have had a spiritual awakening and are in fit, spirit, fit, fit spiritual condition can now do payback time for my employer because I've been only a servant. That's what the the book promises, like like Monica said. The only thing is the promise is that I must carry this message. That's my job. That's my new job. I'm, I'm not a teacher anymore, you know, maybe of the big book, but my job is to carry this message. No matter where I go, it says, to be at a place where I can be maximum helpfulness. If I'm in the food and I'm not and I'm not willing to do God's will. First of all, I wouldn't have the ability to even seek and do God's will if I'm not, you know, recovered really, because I'd be too interested in myself. Um, I wouldn't be able to do this. So I can go anywhere. Doesn't matter where, you know. It doesn't even matter what meeting I go. If I go on the, uh, it doesn't matter on the phone at a face to face in in the, out in the store. It doesn't matter to carry this message, to be helpful. That's my job. That's God's job for me and for us who have had a spiritual awakening. You know, that's my gratitude. Um, you know, if we're not carrying the message, if I don't carry this message, I might forget who I am, that I am still a compulsive overeater. So I have to keep this memory green in my, so to speak, because um, I can't forget where I came from. And, you know, by, by carrying the message, we stay on the firing line so that we won't forget the type of eater and the type of person I was with all my character flaws that still do come up. Um, this is what it's saying to me. And then, you know, it says keep on the firing line of life. And you don't have to worry because this is a promise. God, your higher power will keep you unharmed. You don't have to be afraid of going into face to face or coming on to this meeting or going to other meetings. I mean, you just bring the message so that we can remember who we are. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Janice. Um, uh, Melissa C., please go ahead.
6: Hi, good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. I'm Melissa Stay, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I was thinking about what does this sorted place mean for somebody who has a food addiction? Could it be bars and fast food restaurants and ice cream parlors? Definitely. But, um, but you know, the most sorted places for me um, It's the teachers' room, you know, in my building. (laughs) It's my own kitchen at times, you know. Those have been the places of of greatest danger, where I've done the most harm. And um, and but I have a you know a charge today, a a job today to be useful, and so I can easily go into those places, um, so long as I go with the um with that charge in my mind. You know, I'm there to be of maximum help and you know right now um I've shared before that I work in a very crazy atmosphere and we're getting ready because our school is being we're going to be audited by the state and the state is coming in and um you know when I walk into the teacher's room I have to be very careful am I going there to complain you know because for me complaining is really close to binging it's um a little ease and comfort, a little like commiserating, but it's like putting my hand to the bed.
16: I love this paragraph. You should not hesitate to visit the most sorbid spot on earth on such an errand. Keep on the firing line of life, and these motives with these motives, and God will keep you unharmed. And I have to tell you, some of the most sorbid spots on earth I, I encounter are many O.A. meetings. You know, I think of um Dr. Bob when he was working with Sister Ignatia, and you know, we talk about love and tolerance as our code, but Bob was real clear on what his role was. What what his what his job was as this was saying and if somebody was just sitting there and he was you know, not willing to do the work he would tell sister ignatia kick him out they're just looking for a free meal and a the cot they don't really want to recover you know when we talk about the third tradition i just want to read the first couple lines of the long form of the third tradition it says our membership ought to include all who suffer from alcoholism hence we may refuse none who wishes to recover So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for those people that are looking to recover, those people who suffer from the illness like I do. You know, I think so often we're so afraid of hurting people's feelings, and we're so afraid of offending anyone, that we water down this precious message which can save lives. And I have to ask myself, am I willing to stay on that firing line? Am I willing to tell the truth? You know, unfortunately we have many meetings that are are just content sitting in the disease we have many meetings that are telling people to keep eating work the steps and god will teach you how to moderately eat your binge foods that's not showing love and tolerance for others that's showing love and tolerance for the disease which is killing people and i can use that saying as a loophole so i'm i'm looking at it you know you know i love the way that the steps and the serenity prayer say we But our OA um, responsibility pledge is always to extend the hand and heart of OA to all who share my compulsion. For this, I am responsible. So I want to challenge people. Are you staying on the firing line? Are you willing to go in the sorbid places? Are you willing to tell the truth that this book and our 12 steps say to us? You know, look look at what you're doing. But look at what your meetings are doing. What are our meeting formats doing? Are they supporting disease? I know about you, but most of the meetings in my area don't have, even have abstinence requirements to leave meetings. You know, are we, um, are we willing to, to tell someone the truth who is dying or are we going to love them to death? You know, I think of this saying, you know, honesty without compassion is cruel. But compassion without honesty kills. It absolutely kills. So am I willing to be on that firing line? You know, we just had this wonderful big book weekend in South Jersey last weekend, and we're trying to capitalize it because people are disturbed and people are excited. So we're going to be having a five-week big book study every Saturday in October where we're going to take people through that doctor's opinion through working with others, and we're going to tell people some hard truths, and we're going to search for those people who are not only suffering from this disease but who want to recover, and that is my responsibility. I hope it is everyone else's, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Uh, Reva P, please go
13: ahead. Good morning, this is Reva P. grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, I love this line, be at the place where I can be of maximum helpfulness to others. And what's striking me today is how we're in step 12 and how it's really important that by the time I get here, I have done all the other steps in sequence as outlined in the big book, because if I just read this now, Um, for me step 12 without having worked the previous 11 steps would mean I decide how I'm going to be helpful and I'm going to do this at the meeting and I'm going to do this for my son and I'm going to do such and such for my mother-in-law yay I am helping everybody what um, a great program person I am but for me Getting to this point after working the steps and having this privilege and responsibility means I need to do the work that comes before, I need to remove the blocks which are mainly resentment and fear, then I need to access a higher power and ask and listen. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And it says where I can be of maximum helpfulness um, as opposed to what I do. And I just have to be. Hello? Hello? Oh, I'm hearing a dial tone. Oh,
0: yeah, there's some noise. Can everybody make sure that you're muted, pressing star one? I'm sorry, Riva. go ahead.
13: No problem. Um, Yeah, so to be, I could never be. I could never be in my skin. I could never be with myself, but by the time I've gotten to step 12, not only can I be with me, but I can be with others, and when I'm with them, I don't decide in advance how to be of maximum helpfulness. God shows me now, to be now, um, in the moment where I'm supposed to be helpful. And being helpful can be something as simple as being abstinent, recovered, and being able to listen and be present for somebody. I could never be present for other people because I was so blocked and so busy obsessing about food and myself, Um, so self-absorbed. The other thing I wanted to share on is why are they using the word firing line? Um, And I've heard so many times people refer to steps 10, 11, and 12 as the maintenance steps. Well, for me, they're not maintenance. There's no such thing as maintenance. It's growth, constant growth, constant change as my life changes. And firing line means I'm continually stretched. If I'm in 10, 11, and 12, I'm continually growing. And you know what? It's not comfortable. It's... um, painful, it's scary, just like being on a firing line. And this reminds me, as long as I continue to do the work, I'm okay, because God will keep me unharmed. Um, And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Reva P. And Elaine B., please go ahead.
12: Thanks for your faithful service, Kathy. This is Elaine B., gratefully recovered in um, Massachusetts, calling from Florida, on my way to California, because I want to be of maximum service to God and to others today. You know, it talks about if we do this work, if we do this these steps, we'll have a spiritual awakening, we'll have an emotional displacement, we'll have a total rearrangement of our of our thoughts and our attitudes, our plans and our purposes. We'll begin to get access to um to God's will for us and we are to to seek in 10 and 11 the vision of God's will for us and to all throughout the day say your will not mine be done for me that means surrender that means giving up my plans my wills my my, you know my agenda my selfish ambitions and I love that every night on the 11th step I get to review how did I do today you know Was I patient and kind? Was I focusing on self or was I focusing on others? Was I doing service? The big thing for me is that, you know, my sense of joy, the bright spot of my day, no longer comes in a box, a bag or a frozen container. Um, You know, it comes from serving others. In fact, it talks about in step uh, for instructions on sex, that if sex is very troublesome for you, throw yourself all the harder into working with others. It quiets the imperious urge when to give in would mean heartache? You know, and, and the 12th step it talks about, and, um, you know, in this chapter it talks about that working with others becomes the bright spot of our day. Well, you know what, it's not always easy. The promise, but but God will give us what we need. We have a new employer. We follow his direction. We stay close to him. He gives us everything we need to be of service to others. The promise, we won't regret the past or wish to shut the door on it, um, is taking on a new meaning for me. As I've left work and God has just aligned all of these things, going to world service, which happened to be in Boston, where all the college kids were, where I was dropped off 40 years ago and began to live in a pretty... Uh, I don't know, <laughs> kind of scary sort of places. And even the high school was some scary sort of places. Well, the 40-year reunion's coming up and I'm feeling directed to go. I don't know what toes I stepped on that I may not be aware of, but God's redeeming my past. I'm on my way to California to be of service to my mom who wants to be her sister, but I'm going back to the land I was born <laughs> and that I grew up in, and God is just taking me all through my past with a whole different attitude, a whole different pers- purpose. I don't know how I'll be of service to my cousins or my mom, but that's what I'm here for today. It's not about me getting to go where I go, want to go, what I want to do, and, you know, whatever. I got my food packed up, and I'm ready to go. God, your will, not mine, be done. With that, attached. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Elaine B. Uh, We have time for one more share. Is there anyone who would like to take it? Lynn S.? Okay, Lynn, please go ahead. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering
11: compulsible reader in Toronto, Canada. This line, the firing line of life, is really resonating with me. One of the things that really came up is it used to be me just trying to fit into my own skin was the firing line of life. I couldn't stand it. And I, it, and the way the sentence is written now, it's such a positive, so hopeful. You know, you can be on the firing line of life and God will keep you unharmed. Before, just trying to live life, just trying to sit in my own skin, just trying to be comfortable with me was like i was in facing a firing squad every moment of every day and if somebody said hello and looked at me in an odd way i was shot i was dead it, there was all it, it was just awful i'm just remembering how awful it is listening to this paragraph talking about working with others you know helping other people being there and and what somebody else shared about you know OA meetings can be one of the toughest places and most sorted places i can relate so much to that and going through all that angst and now life isn't like that god keeping us unharmed doing this work being where we need to be showing up for life just being you know it it's it's just so amazing that it, it you're not in this terrible fearful place being shot dead at every moment and everything is such a drama and so filled with angst i'm just so Amazed by the program of recovery. I love listening online and hearing these things. I feel built up. I feel strong. I feel capable. I don't know the words, but what it is is when you work the program, God comes into your life. You are unharmed. You can be where you need to be. You can show up. You can extend a hand to others. Without that worrying, niggling thing in the back, what about me? What's going to happen to me? You know, am I going to be all right? All of that is gone. We know we're going to be all right. We're able to be there for others and help them, whether it's an OA call or helping a family member or helping somebody you don't even know. or just being. We're able to be in our own skin because of our connection with God. I am so grateful for the program of recovery, and I'm able to be in a place with binge foods that don't even call me because that's not the focus anymore. The focus is on life. Even if I'm on the firing line, the focus is still on life. With that, I
0: pass. Thank you, Lynn S., and thank you, everyone, who has shared today. It's now time to close this first hour. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Janice B., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only on page 164.
17: Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, Visionaries. This is Janice B., Recovered compulsive reader in Vermont. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little.